0: This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 232 with Gina Fresquez. Show notes for this episode, including all links mentioned and links to any discounts with our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 232. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Gina Fresquez is a clarity and confidence coach and number one international best-selling author. She's also the founder of the Women's Side Hustle Society, where she is committed to empowering ambitious, soulful, side-hustling women to bring their biggest entrepreneurial dreams to life in a way that's infused with confidence, joy, ease, and freedom without having to sacrifice their health, sanity, or lifestyle. After many years in corporate sales and nutrition, Gina's dream of becoming an entrepreneur came true in 2012 when she started her first side hustle. Since then, she has enjoyed the journey of strategically and intuitively coaching her clients through mitigating fears, breakthroughs, transitions and transformations of building a successful business in a way that feels good to them. Gina accomplishes this through one-on-one coaching, masterminds and women's retreats. She also loves sharing her stories of amazing, successful side-hustling women on her podcast, Women's Side Hustle Society. Gina is the shameless mom to three-year-old Ezra, and Ezra was diagnosed with sensory processing disorder six months ago. I was so grateful to have Gina spend a lot of the show today really talking about that before we dig into some of her professional ambition and excitement. So Gina had long wondered why Ezra's behavior was such a departure from her and her husband's calm, chill ways. And after a powerful conversation with a preschool teacher, Gina took action to learn about how Ezra learns and experiences the world. And it has completely changed her as a mom. Listen in to hear Gina share her experience parenting a child with SPD, sensory processing disorder, the signs, the treatment, and the daily coping. She'll also share learning self-regulation with SPD. She'll share why she walked away from a corporate job that she loved, how her side hustling resulted in her becoming an international best-selling author, how you can find your own soulful side hustle, and how to take the stairs instead of taking a risky leap into new territory, whether you're dealing with your child who might have some special needs or you're dealing with your professional life and ambition. But let's go ahead and dive in with Gina Fresquez. Gina Fresca is welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so so excited to have you here.
1: I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> this has been a while in the making. So we got connected to get listeners up to speed. We were connected through a colleague, a mutual friend, our friend Melody. And I feel like every time we see each other at events, we're like, we need to go get wine and we need to do podcast interviews and we need to do all these things. And it's so (laughs) hard to do it all because there's never enough time. So no, because we're both moms and yeah, all the things. Right. Yeah. We're both moms. We both have our hustles and Mm -hmm. and our side hustles to our hustles and all those things. So it's so fun. And also I'll just share with our listeners that, and probably by the time this goes live, my interview with you on your show will be out. So last week, this is like, I feel like we've gotten to hang out so much because we recorded for your show last yeah. week, I think it was. Last week. yeah And then now we're recording for my show. So yeah. I'll make sure I link to the interview on your show in the show notes here so that people can pop over and check that out as well. yeah check... People can get all sorts of conversations. Yes, with us. I know. They can just listen to us all day. Everyone's <laughs> dream. On the wall. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I'm really excited to dive into all things related to shameless mom life, which I know is that uh, is especially shameless for you right now and mm-hmm. all things related to your career, because that's also really shameless. So it is. <laughs> tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now.
1: Oh, yeah. Beyond my bio, right? Bios yeah.
2: are always so <laughs> official.
1: So, you know, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I mean, those are the things that I feel like on a daily, you know, you're just in the thick of it with just managing all of that. Mm-hmm. Right now, like I find myself talking about lately a lot right now, you know, when you like kind of see patterns yeah. is, you know, talking about SPD, which we'll get into, I'm sure, with mm-hmm. my son, sensory processing disorder. And like, I feel more of a call to spread the news about that and what that really is. And then my, oh, my gosh, I'm just like, there's so much going on.
2: You're catching <laughs> so, many, middle, so things many things to choose from.
1: And then we'll talk about this, I'm sure. But, you know, I just had a book that just released this week. So this mm-hmm. is like really exciting to be on the show today because my book just released. We already hit number one international bestselling. And so there's the mission behind the book, which is something that's actually been coming up a lot for me lately. You know, my story that comes out in the book is really personal around me starting my side hustle, starting my business and choosing to do things differently, which is very shameless, right? Right. Around like doing things differently and maybe not the way that you've seen other people do it. And then though, what has come fully and what I feel like now is really important is just giving people permission to tell their stories yeah. and that every story, like every life path, every story is valuable. And I feel like this is like a new message that's coming up for me lately. And obviously I'm sharing it with you today. It's just the whole process of like, and what, what came about is so with the book that I'm in, there's 30 different authors and everybody had this fear. Everybody had the fear of like, well, my story is not that big of a deal. I don't think I should share my story. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's just, especially right now, Sarah, like with the time that we're in right now, women need to be talking. Yeah. Women need to be telling their story. And it doesn't matter if you think your story isn't good enough. It is. And somebody will resonate with your story. And that's a lot of the fears that came up for me because, you know, I don't feel like, I've had huge life challenges. I mean, Mm -hmm. but it's all relative, right? Like we've all had our own experiences. And I think the more we can talk about our experiences, the more we can share and resonate and empathize and have compassion for each other. Yeah. And I don't know, that's kind of been my message lately as far as what's lighting me up right now. is like, like, it doesn't matter if you think your story is run of the mill. I actually have a dear friend of mine from college who has also been to one of my retreats and kind of one of my clients. And she's always thought she was boring. You know what I mean? Like thinking that she has nothing to talk about thinking that there's no really interesting story about her life that she could talk about. And I kind of want to challenge people lately around that. It's like yeah. I'm sure there's a story somewhere that somebody will relate to that. Right. So
0: that's such an interesting point. So for people listening who aren't familiar with the entrepreneurial space in it, to any degree, I think that being an entrepreneur forces you to identify with your story. And I think that which I really enjoy because I love stories. And I've always loved stories and I've always loved telling stories and I've always been, you know, someone who liked to make jokes of not jokes, but like find the lighthearted moments in heavy things. And so I've always really valued that. But I think that when you become an entrepreneur, you really have to like kind of dig into like, what is my story? How did I get here? How can I share that? How can I use that to connect with people? And so if you haven't ever been forced to do that, because you're maybe your profession or no circumstances have pushed you in that direction, I totally understand where you could be like, well, I mean, nothing awful has ever happened to me. Like, you know, I mean, yeah. This will sound like so awful, but just well, you know, I've never been raped or homeless or beaten or exactly. whatever. Like, all these, you think of like these really, really yep. horrible, horrendous things. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I mean, none of those things ever happened to me. So, like, I don't really have a story. And that's so not the case. Exactly. And it doesn't need to be, I mean, just like when you think about Instagram comparison of photos <laughs> and those kinds of things, it's like we also don't need to be comparing, like, if my trauma was as big as your trauma. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. But I can totally understand when you start d- thinking about, Sharing your story and, and building a message around a story—that's where our minds go. We go into that kind of,
1: yeah. Competitive and I place. will tell you, I was like so true for me doing this book project, and I actually just posted this week a podcast around this story. Uh, it's called my story is vanilla, because mm. that's what came up for me when I started writing my story. And my publisher was like, No, your story like, she's like, you're crazy. <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> cause She sees it from a different view, right? Yeah. And so when we're so close to something, we just think it's not that big of a deal. Totally. And I love that you shared that. Because I think that's where I was at. I mean, there's women in the stories who their children have died, they've overcome cancer, you know, I mean, like things that I was just like, I'm just like, in all of them yeah, yeah, and all of their accomplishments and how they've, you know, gotten through all of these challenges. And then, so then I was saying to myself, right. Fears that come up, is who am I to share my story? Right. Like my story is not as worthy as, you know, I'm not as worthy as them. And so that fear comes up and because it's true, I moved around a lot as a kid and yeah, I, you know, starting businesses is hard and th- like all these things, but there was a part of me that's like, well, nothing really big happened to me. right?
2: Right, Right. And
1: I think this is where I think, right now where I'm at right now, it's like, okay, that's the message that needs to be said. Like, it doesn't matter if you think it's a big deal or not, like share that story. Mm-hmm. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, I was telling somebody other day around, like, tell your sister, tell your friend, tell your cousin, tell your neighbor, like yeah. tell stories, like just of something that happened, whether it's good or bad, or, you know, something that you learned. And it's just, I don't know, it's becoming more and more apparent these days.
0: Yeah. Well, and even if you've had something that a lot of people experience. So for in my example, like you know, my parents got divorced when I was four and a half. Yeah. So like so many people have that experience, but to be dismissive of it and be like, well, I mean, my parents got divorced. They didn't really ever fight. It was kind of not a big deal. And that which is really how I addressed it for most of my life, because really, like, I don't remember a time when they were together. It wasn't like a big traumatic thing in terms of like right. them arguing and fighting over custody and like that kind of stuff. Right. But it's still really, really shaped who I am. And I'm only just That's discovering right. this in my early 40s, like only in my yeah. early 40s. And I'm like, oh, actually that was like a major life event because I don't remember it. And because it wasn't super traumatic in the moment doesn't mean that there wasn't a lot of stuff that happened around that Mm -hmm. situation. And even though a million people, millions of people have experienced this, it's still a big thing. And so I totally agree with you about talking about that. And I've definitely started talking more about that with friends and different people in my life, just kind of the impact of that and realizing that sometimes events, even though so many of us experience common events,
1: those are still very, very formative and life-changing and life. And you can still talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah just because absolutely. it's common doesn't mean that it's actually, this is one of the things that my publisher, did. she's like, because it's common, it will resonate more. Totally. Yes. Like more people right? will be able to connect with it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a huge like mindset shift for me that I had in just the whole process of writing the book. But some of the work and it's so funny, because it ties in, which I didn't even know it at the time of like what I actually do with my clients, which is getting really clear on what it is they do, who they are, what's their purpose, like, what do they really want to be doing, like, in their starting their businesses, and then having the confidence to like, go do it, right. And so we do dive into the story part, like what makes you unique, right? Like, If I work with a lot of like life coaches and health coaches and, you know, all different types of people, but the first thing we do is identify parts of their stories, right? You know, it's it's funny how it comes full circle. Definitely.
0: Definitely. Okay. We're going to go readdress this in a minute, but I want to shift gears a little bit because I want to talk more about how you got into the writing and how you got in the different side hustles that you've had, because that's what your business is all about. But before we go that route, I want to talk a little bit about motherhood for you, Mm -hmm. and you being a shameless mom, as I know that you are, and I know that you've become particularly shameless in the last six months. So tell us about how motherhood has evolved for you in the last six months. What was life like before, and how is it different now?
2: Yeah,
1: such a good topic. So my son, I have a a three-and-a-half-year-old, who is Spirit adorable. Is, yeah. Oh my gosh. He's the cutest little, I mean, he's from social so, media. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has like big blue eyes. Yeah. Oh. He's an all awesome over him. And he is such a spitfire and he's so sweet, but he's super sensitive, super intense. I mean, these are words that like, when you think about your kid, when you start, I don't know if there's like words that you've always described your kid as like, mm-hmm. you know, there's just words that always come up. Oh, like when people ask about your child, you're like, oh, he's this and this and this for my son, like intense. Has always been a word that I've used with him, even from a very young age, like as a baby. he's just very intense, and so that's kind of how we started out, right? This this relationship, getting to know your child when they're first born, and what has happened in the last six months is that he has been diagnosed with sensory processing disorder, which before I even six months ago, I had no clue what that even was. Like it wasn't even on my radar. Okay, but I also had a young baby. You know they. I didn't discover it until he went to preschool. And I think that that's sometimes we don't know what we don't know. And sometimes when you're kind of in your own world and we had done a nanny share. So we were just with one other kid and, you know, your head's down and you don't know how other kids are. No gauge, no comparison. All I knew to be honest, Sarah, is that I was having a really hard time with him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like he is so intense. Like highly emotional, like intense emotions, intense physically. But then at the same time, you have no idea where it's coming from, because he's also very sweet. And he's coming from a family who are like, my husband and I like wouldn't even hurt a fly. Like we're very like low key mellow people. Like, I don't even like to wrestle, you know, like play. <laughs> like I'm just a <laughs> very, gosh, like
0: I'm very totally the same way. Like, like person, right? Vinny's class, like, started playing this wrestling game like with the teachers supervising it last year and I was like I'm pretty sure this is like goes against my like core values. <laughs> I totally understand what you mean and I also had a very intense baby and yeah you're like where is this coming from? Like how did this happen? So I didn't want to interrupt you. But-
1: and this is like the part that I think that was a huge aha for me. So and this is like one of the stories that I tell a lot is I used to like Esther has always been not difficult because he's such a great, bright child, but he's just intense. And it just takes a lot of management. And intuitively, right before six months ago, I was doing the best that I could, right. But then you hear comments like when anybody like when I say, Oh, like, he's like this, or I'm exhausted, or whatever, like, I literally felt exhausted. And I was like, why is this so hard? And other people who didn't know Ezra, or, you know, everybody wants to have their two cents, they're like, Oh, it's just because he's a boy, or "Oh, it's just because, you know, you're a new mom or like everybody terrible just,
0: twos or the whatever. Yeah, like there's like, always like just, a reason that it's there's always awful. A reason. Yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> Oh, it's just like, and they kind of like discredit how you're feeling. Like, I'm like, I'm resourceful. I am tough. Like I've done lots of great things in my life. Why is this child like bringing me to my knees every day? And for me, it would just, it felt really like tough. Like people would just be like, Oh, it's just because this is your first kid. Oh, it's just because he's a boy. Like, I think those are all well and good. Cause I think people, Say that because they just want you to feel better, but what it does is it feels like your feelings are not validated. Yeah, yeah, can be emotional about it (laughs) because what happened to me? So my our preschool teacher asked me to come in early one day, and you you totally think because Ezra was getting in trouble a lot, like playing, like I always have to be on the defense with him, like when we go to the park, like he's Mm. just really aggressive, and it just again I didn't know why he was this way, he just was, and it was just hard to deal with. And so she sat me down and I thought she was going to be like, he's, he gets in trouble that she like wanted to kick him out of the preschool or something like that. But she sat me down and she was so sweet. And she said, I've been noticing Ezra over the last couple months. And I think that he has some parts of sensory processing disorder. And here's what I'm seeing. And she had this whole list of signs that she was noticing. And she's like, you know, I've had a child before who had this and occupational therapy really helped. So I'm, I'm letting you know, cause I want you to look into it. And I like that day, huge validation, like huge validation of how it was feeling.
0: Yeah, like someone else was seeing what yeah. you were seeing. And also, maybe had like a solution a little, you know, some it's resources
1: like, yeah, is Yeah, say like, yes, your son is more intense. Yes, your son is off the norm. Not that there's any normal kids. But in like, it was a small preschool of only six kids, right. And he was the one that was, you know, demonstrating all these, you know, so it's again, you know, everybody's kid is different. And everybody's kid is unique. But when you have a kid that's a little bit on a different end of a spectrum—it yeah. just, you know, it's more difficult to manage. And so it was hugely validating because all this time I thought it was just me mm-hmm. that I couldn't handle it as a mom, right? Yeah. And that like I just didn't have the grit to deal with a child like that, right? And so it was hugely validating. And then once I started working with our OT, who is like my best friend now, <laughs> <laughs> I love her because I can just bring all of this to her. And she just validates and she helps and she gives you tools and she like, oh, it's just been so amazing the last six months to have somebody like on your team who is there with you and, you know, is there for your child's best interest and is really trying to help figure out ways to help regulate him and manage him in a healthier way. And so it's only been six months, but it's been a huge journey and just the validation part and looking at my son differently as far as like knowing that he needs extra support or that, you know, he is, you know, not fully regulated with his senses. And it's, we can get into a whole different talk about like sensory processing and educating the public about it because that's one of the things that I've noticed is that a lot of people don't even know about it. And it's not the same as autistic though. A lot of though, almost all autistic kids have sensory processing disorder, but not all sensory processing kids have autism. And so Ezra is one of those unique kids that's not on the autism spectrum, but that he has sensory processing disorder. So it's really difficult because people... One, either want to label him or two, they don't understand because it's not autism. Mm -hmm. So I feel like autism at least has gotten enough. It doesn't fit into a box that people can really clearly define. And I will tell you that that is my son in a nutshell. He does not fit (laughs) into a box. Like I had his, you know, get into the woo woo stuff. I had his natal birth chart done by my friend right when he was born. And he was born to be different. He was born Mm -hmm. to stand out. He was born to be different. He is all fire and all water. He's my little fiery baby. And I knew that from the beginning, but it's just funny how you see how that plays out.
0: IEPs, she talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans, she really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, I swear it's like, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. So so yeah, that's so interesting. We went through a little bit of OT with Vinny for anxiety Mm -hmm. and I would totally agree that it's so comforting to have that person to the occupational therapist to like bounce things off of and get some support from and they just see things in such a different way where you're like oh and there's one of the biggest thing for us and I think I talked about this on the show like a year or so ago but they taught us a lot about pattern interrupts and so Vinny is like things have to go a certain way and like it's really hard to break the patterns. And sometimes the patterns are really obnoxious, like getting up 13 times after bedtime and like (laughs) you like can't change the pattern no matter how hard you try. And there's like no bargaining around it. Like if you only get up six times, I'll give you a cookie in the morning or whatever. Like you can't, that doesn't work. So she was so helpful in having like pattern interrupts for us so we could just completely like reset different behaviors. Mm. But what I learned in that whole process is the benefit of, you know, like I'm someone who worked in early childhood. I worked in a psychiatric hospital with kids ages four mm-hmm. to 14. I was like, I know these things. I know how to do behavior modification. When it comes to your own kid though, you are so in it. You oh, can't God. see out of it. Yes. I so understand what you mean about th- having that occupational therapist be so key. Can you tell us a little bit about, cause I think this would be helpful for listeners, the behaviors that you were witnessing before you had the diagnosis and like, kind of the things that stood out to you, or maybe to the teacher, where you thought, like, oh, maybe it would be worth going to, you know, have, talk to a yeah. doctor or therapist and looking at if this is something that we could manage in a different way or that could be treatable in a certain way.
1: Yeah. So, the thing about sensory processing disorder, and, and this is kind of fair warning, is that there's a huge spectrum and there's a huge, not one child is going to look the same. Right. And not that that, like, you know, you can say that for everything, but because when it comes to, you know, we all have our senses and, You can either be a sensory seeker. Well, okay. And when you really think about senses, we all have different sensory needs. Some of us have really sensitive hearing. Sometimes our taste or whatever. It's just the disorder part comes in when it's so either intense on either direction that it disrupts daily life. Okay, so that's the way that it's been explained to me, or at least the way that I've digested it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so kids are either sensory. Well, we're all either sensory seekers or sensory avoiders on the disorder type spectrum so you can either be a sensory like with one sense in particular you can either be a seeker or an avoider so an example would be so like an avoider which Ezra doesn't have a lot of avoiding he's mostly a seeker but an avoider would be we all know these kids and maybe some of our listeners have them is like kids that like everything bugs them like tags bug them pants Mm. bug them socks bugs them you know they just physically like anything that's touching them weird it's like they have a total meltdown, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all seen those kids. I think my niece used to want like all her tags to be taken out. Now, that's the only thing that like stands out. That's manageable, right? Like yeah. if, you know, you just take all the tags out. Okay, good. <laughs> right, you're good right. to go. Yeah. And so to you some know? degree, some of that is normal just so that everyone who is like, wait, do I need to go get my right. kid
0: diagnosed it's because just, I, they again, can't handle their, their that, socks?
1: Exactly. If that's piled onto all these other ones, right? right? right. And, and that's why it takes a lot of evaluation to even determine if your kid has sensory processing disorder, because there's no just like one test, you know I mean? You just can't just, you know, I don't know. Okay, so that's like a sensory avoider or taste. Like some kids, you know, all they do is eat white rice and white bread Mm. and they don't like any flavor. Well, that would be a child who is a taste bud, you know, like their sense of taste is an avoider. They don't want, they're not seeking intense flavors. They're actually avoiding them. Again, maybe doable, right? It's when all of you start seeing a lot of these pile up. So a sensory seeker, okay, so- For Ezra specifically, I can talk to because, again, there's kids all over the spectrum. But so Ezra, he is a sensory avoider with his ears, so with his hearing. And so, but you see this a lot in autistic kids too. Like when he's in an environment that's really loud and there's a lot of different types of noises, he gets anxiety, speaking of anxiety, right? And so that turns up his fight or flight mode.
0: And so anxiety for him looks like what?
1: For him, he gets like, if you're thinking like a temperature gauge, right, and their energy is going up and there's lots of sound, he can't decipher. Like if you and I were talking in a crowded conference room, you know how you and I could like focus on each other and kind of drown out everything. He, like, he just takes everything in, which is funny because I've always thought he's had superhuman hearing ever since the release. <laughs> and so, again, these kind of validations, right, that come up. So he hears everything. And so he's taking it all in. And if you can imagine hearing everything at once and not being able to filter out anything, it's going to cause you to have anxiety. And so for him, what kids do when usually they have anxiety, they either, you know, flight, fight, or freeze are the three kind of primal things that happen when we go into kind of anxiety or scared mode. Mm -hmm. For him, he's a fighter. And so... You know, every kid's different. This is what shows up for us all the time, like at school, and the management issues that we have is he's a fighter. So he's going to hit. He's going to kick. He's going to bite. He's going to just do whatever he can in that instant without even thinking about it, right? Some kids run. Some kids totally just like sit down and start crying, right? Mm -hmm. And that would be the freeze. He's a fighter. And I'm always like scared for when he's like an, yeah. <laughs> a, a teenager because he doesn't even think his initial reaction without even thinking is to, is to be physical. So that's one of his things. But then he's also really sweet. So, again, it's not because he's from, coming from a home that's physical or yeah. a, you know, a bad environment. It's not environmental. It's truly how he's wired. So that obviously causes problems. He also like weird things that our preschool teacher came up like he has a really high, high pain tolerance really high pain tolerance so like he falls his knee will be bleeding it doesn't even phase him he'll keep on going what else is some of the things that she noticed he he's really sensitive to light he's like my little vampire baby <laughs> it's just like weird things that just you start noticing that again Over time I would have just equated it to oh that's just how Ezra is right right so it was so interesting that you know she kind of took a list of things. I wonder if I have that list somewhere. And it just kind of like you know I'm just noticing these little things. Um, He gets these like explosive, you know, tantrums, which, you know, yeah, he was two. But he's two, right? You're like, but he's two. This is what two year olds do, right? exactly. Yeah. And that's sometimes the feedback that I get, and it's a little bit frustrating. But that's the way that I can explain it to people who maybe have experienced my son, or I'm trying to explain it to people, is it yes, because he's in that two to three age. So I say, you know, any typical, any typical toddler behavior, but you turn the dial way up on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's been actually really hard as a mom is trying to decipher between what's toddler behavior and what's SPD behavior. And this is actually a conversation that I have almost daily with our OT or weekly when we show up for our, you know, weekly session with her. I'm always like, okay, so this is what's going on. Is this just typical toddler stuff or is this, you know, SPD stuff? And we kind of weed through all of that
0: yeah so how does it feel different now that you have a diagnosis and you feel like you have you're gaining tools and you have someone you have the teacher who is like you know obviously so on your side and you have the occupational therapist who is being so helpful and supportive what does it feel like now to be in in this spot currently
1: yeah well it didn't make any sense to me of why occupational therapy would help because it literally is like him playing in a jungle gym it's play therapy and yes therapy and like he gets to do all these climbing things and then he has to get to play puzzles and like to me it doesn't compute on like why that would help
0: but (laughs) you're like basically (laughs) this is a really expensive babysitter (laughs) right
1: and I'm always like it doesn't make sense but it has to do with like the brain pathways and the like neuro stuff and it's mind-blowing yeah so he has made a lot of headway in the last oh, uh, six so months great. as far as like how he is like I was just talking to ROT yesterday about it. And I said, so like if you catch it early, you're helping him to self-soothe and to self-regulate yeah. and to kind of be aware of this and know what's appropriate behavior or not. And what she said is, said, well, what's our outcome? Like if he's older, like when he's 10, are we going to still be doing this? And she's like, well, we're going to give him the tools and keep on, you know, that muscle memory so that where he it can self-regulate. So it doesn't mean he's not going to be his sensories are going to be, you know, it's not like he'll never be like he'll always be a sensitive hearing. Right. Yeah, yeah. But he will be better at self-regulating himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's like the goal. And so we've seen a lot of headway. Oh, so the other thing he's really intensive with. So he so proprioception is like. Pressure on your body, Mm -hmm. and so those kids that are really intense with their body, like again, he's a hitter, but he also gets like he wants to be really physical and wrestle and push things and pick up really big things and like (laughs) just like all this like pressure on his body, and that's that's he's a sensory seeker for that. So again, he craves this like intense pressure, yeah, which goes against my like every cell in my being because I'm not like that at all. (laughs) Right. Right. So yes, and that's just one. I just wanted to make sure you note that too, like a very. Intense body. Yeah. So, how has it changed? Like, it's just one, it's been validating. Two, we've seen a lot of like work, but then also, like, I feel like getting to the shameless mom part, like, I've been really shameless about not having to have a label. Mm. because that was one of the things that our preschool teacher told us. She's like, you know, what happens with kids with Ezra? And this is like, this hits home so close to me. And I think for a lot of moms, if this wasn't brought to your attention or to his attention, what's going to happen is as he goes into school and goes into elementary school, he's going to be labeled as the bad kid. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be labeled as the naughty kid because of the way he's acting out. You know, Mm -hmm. he's the one hitting, he's the one biting, he's the one having these blowouts and, He's going to be the one being sent every day. You're going to, he's going to come home and say that he got sent to the principal's office. Mm -hmm. And that broke my heart. Yeah. And I think that like, as far as becoming a shameless mom is like, I'm so set on him not having this label, right? Because it's not who he is. He's not a bad kid. He's not malicious in any way. It's just a misunderstanding. And so like, I like I'm constantly talking to the school, constantly talking to the people, other adults around him, trying to educate people about it. And because like we were chatting early, like if my kid got bit by another kid at school, like I'd be like, dude, what's wrong with your kid? I mean, that was how I used to be, right? Like thinking that the kid, like that it was a parental thing or that it was environmental thing. And I've now come to realize that it's not well, could be, but it's not always. Right. And, you know, I feel bad when my kid has bit somebody else's kid or hit them. But I'm also trying to show a lot of compassion and like understanding and just it's almost like an awareness piece about this whole other disorder that I didn't even know about. And a lot of my peers, like a lot of my mom friends didn't know about it either.
0: Yeah, I actually have a number of good friends who have children with either who Are somewhere along the lines of like SPD or ADD, ADHD. And some of these cases are really severe. And, you know, some of my closest friends have like had to have their kids move schools multiple times and all sorts of things. And so when you talk about, having your kid be the one who is like always singled out because they can't manage their behavior. They can't be managed in a, in a typical classroom and those kinds of things. That is so overwhelming. I mean, obviously it's overwhelming for the kid, but for the parent, when you just want to be able to protect your kid and you know that like you have this kid who underneath it all is like really sweet and really sensitive and wants to be a good kid. And when you see these things happening, really, you know, I've had good friends who they'll say like, you know, three or four year old is saying like, I'm a bad kid. And yes. I'm not good at anything and I can't do anything right. And I always get into trouble and I'm not trouble. smart and all these mm-hmm. kinds, there's like this v- language they come up with and you're like, literally no one has ever said that to you. No one has ever said you're a bad kid or no one's ever said you're not smarter, you know, but mm-hmm. they pick up on, they like the,
1: the comparison trap starts really freaking early. And the labeling. Yeah. Like they, I'm a bad kid. Or yeah. I'm the one that gets in trouble. Like I've literally had kids from his school when I volunteered at his school, they're like one of the older, he's in a Montessori school now, but. One of the older kids was like, "Ezra hits a lot and Ezra gets in trouble all the time." Mm. Like he's telling me this. Yeah. And I'm like, "I know, we're working on it." Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you can't really explain sensory processing to a 6-year-old, but yeah. you know, nobody wants to play with him anymore on the playground because he's now the kid that hits. Yeah. You know, and so it's just and my heart hurts around it, but I'm also like shameless around explaining it to everybody mm-hmm. and making sure everybody knows about it and then a thing that more and more people need to know about it. I'm actually trying to have like an educational night at school, because even the guides and even the teachers don't even know about it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so thankful for our first preschool teacher who, like stepped up and has saw the signs and said something.
0: Yeah.
1: And it's weird. So he goes to Montessori school now. And so many of Montessori teachers don't even know about sensory processing disorder. They know about, you know, ADHD and they know about autism and, but they didn't even know about this. And so I'm just it's like, so Oh so surprising my to me because it was
0: on my, I don't know why. Well, I think it was on my radar because I suspected my child had it. So maybe it was something that my doctor brought up to me. And I think I had a couple of friends who.
2: Yeah. Like you don't know until it. you so,
0: know. Right? right. Yeah. Because now I'm kind of like, it's been on my radar for a while and I definitely, um, I think that it's way more common than we know. One of the things we've talked about with Vinny, So there's a little girl in his class who she has definitely, I don't know exactly, I don't know if she has diagnoses or what the situation is, but she definitely is learning in a different way and on a different timeline than other peers in her classroom. And she's definitely really handsy, a lot of touching, pinching, Mm -hmm. and biting, and just a lot of different things. And Vinny's really conscientious of her, like, being uncomfortable when she gets in his space and like he's always right weird. like she very gently bit him like a year and a half ago and he still mm-hmm. is like well she bites me all the time I'm like yeah she kind of really gently bit you like a year and a half ago she doesn't bite you right. all the time but mm-hmm. we, well, we've talked about with that with her because he brings her name up a lot he just likes to tell me stories about her like today she did this right. and today she did that and I'm always interested because it comes up sometimes way more than her other kids in his class <laughs> and so but it's not necessarily anything bad it's just kind of this commentary so we started talking about that she's still learning how to use her words and she's learning how to use her body in safe ways and she's still learning this and that and the other thing rather than like well she has this disorder and she has this and she you know we really talk about she's still learning and how can you help her you know Mm -hmm. and so the teacher last year was like at the end of the year he's like yeah Vinny's really taking an interest in her and she was still struggling with potty training and he was like he was wanting to like help her like change her learn pull up in her underwear like every time she had an accident the teacher had to be like actually that's like the teacher's job but I was like about to burst into tears because i was so proud because i was getting worried that he was really like pushing her away and not wanting to be her friend and then i so then the teacher's like yeah so now he's trying to potty train her (laughs) that's so cute i know but it's been i think a great lesson to Vinny's class to have a lot of conversation around different people learn things in different ways and some people learn their words first and some people they don't have words and so they have to use hands and Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes that's for sign language and sometimes it's to stay safe. They push people away because they don't feel safe or comfortable and they don't. Right. So there's a lot of really valuable conversation that can happen around that. I really admire that you're trying to create awareness in the school and in Ezra's classroom so that the lang- people can be conscientious of their language and kind of the trickle down effect that's going to have on all the kids in the classroom, like on Ezra's experience, of course, but on all the kids in the classroom, because this is not going to be their only exposure to someone who learns
2: differently than they do or someone behaves right. differently than them.
0: Totally. It's really, really valuable.
2: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret,
0: I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom.
2: And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Mm. So let's shift a little. I want to kind of bridge this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How did challenges in motherhood impact your professional life? And you've touched on this a little bit already, but how has that impacted your professional life? I mean, in whatever time frame you want to address, but I'm oh, guessing yeah. kind of most specifically
1: in the last year yeah, or so. Yeah, we can, I mean, gosh, motherhood, you know, has been in, in and out for a while, but Most specifically, so in the last six months, so back in October, actually, so I used to be like what I used to call the ultimate side hustler. And my whole business is built around supporting women start side hustles and be successful in their side hustles, and all different types of side hustles. And I used to wear that as like a badge of honor, really, like I could do all the things right motherhood and having a business and I worked in corporate and like all that kind of stuff. And for a while, it felt really good. Like it's because I loved my corporate work. I loved my coaching business. And obviously loved motherhood, right? And so I could do it all and I felt like superwoman. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I did it in a way that felt really good. And that's kind of the core of what I teach is like doing it in a way that feels good to you because we all can burn out and we all can do that. And that was kind of my past. Right? My story is about burnout and stuff like that. So six months ago, so when I found all about this about Ezra, which we were already struggling with like finding babysitters and nannies and having him find a school that would work with him and and then we got diagnosed, I just felt like you know what something needs to change I need to be more so I used to travel a lot for my corporate job and I just was ready to be done and so how like being a mom has impacted me was I finally made the decision to quit my corporate job last October and it was kind of a big deal because I had built my brand so much around like the ultimate side hustler and I still support women in that way but I'm Now can you know say well you can quit too you know I mean the whole supporting people and I a lot of my clients have supported through quitting their jobs and transitioning in whichever way that felt most comfortable to them which I call taking the stairs but where I finally got with my life is like, I just needed more space and time. My business was doing great. And uh, my business has been doing great for a while, but I just never really wanted to let go of the corporate job. But it finally came to a head when I was like, but it's more important for me to really do this with Ezra, like be there, taking him to OT, like making sure he's not at school as long as he, you know, used to be. And it was ready, like we were ready to just, and I think that's how it's impacted my professional life. I mean, I just let recently let go of a corporate position that I loved and that I loved what I did and that I was in it for 14 years. So, you know, you just kind of, you know, things just shift so much when you become a mom and you just let go of the things that maybe aren't serving you anymore, for sure.
0: I think that's so powerful. And I think that there's so many stories. I mean, speaking of stories and vanilla stories and those kinds of things, Mm -hmm. there's so many stories about like, you know, have a side hustle, build it up until you can leave this job that you hate and you can stop working for the man or being in corporate America and blah, 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 all this stuff. And yours is totally the opposite. Like I have a corporate job. I love 100%, but I'm going to quit it because (laughs) So yeah. There's other things that I need to prioritize right now. Yeah. And I don't think that's the typical route. No, I think the typical route it's... is very much like the, the... And
1: Sarah, that's what my whole chapter is about, like in my book. So, <laughs> I didn't even know. Yeah, my whole chapter is called Side Hustle Success and how I chose to do things differently because I didn't, like the whole jumping off the cliff thing never felt good to me. It never felt good to me. It just the whole jumping off the cliff and build your plane on the way down never felt good to me. And so what I that's what I like to say, you can take the stairs, like you can do every step of the way it feels good mm-hmm. to you. Like, I mean, yeah. yes, you have to challenge yourself, you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. But you don't have to just jump. And right. right, yeah, I always say I'm kind of one of those, I started a business, because I knew I wanted, like, I desired something more, which is kind of my personality trait, a lot of entrepreneurs, <laughs> that right, personality trait, you desire something more, I decided to, ex- I express myself in a different way, I knew that I wanted more flexibility. But As time went on, I still loved what I did. Like, and my corporate background was was animal nutrition, and I worked with horses, and I loved that. And I still love that. And so, yeah, I was kind of this weird. I love talking about how you can start a business. You don't, it doesn't mean you have to quit your job. Right. If that's not what you want to do. Now, I also have, I had a lot of clients who do want to quit their job, but it's like finding pleasure and happiness in the journey versus like always just pining for the destination.
0: Right, right, define soulful side hustling then and talk about that because I think sometimes, I mean, I think in many cases that, you know, developing a side hustle. So let's take an example of like working a corporate job but deciding that like, I wanna become a photographer and do like family Mm -hmm. photography. So a lot of times we build these side hustles as like a way out. And a way out of a job that we don't love, or a way to right. maybe like, you know, maybe have more time at home or more flexibility or what have you. What's kind of your definition and criteria around soulful side hustling?
1: Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up because it's something that I've just kind of recently gotten more clear on because I have my Women's Side Hustle Society, which is my group that, you know, I, I taught my baby, like my group on, it's a Facebook group, but it's been active for like four years. And it was started to support women in, that are, you know, trying to grow their business on the side. But what I found is that, you know, there's, there's kind of two different types of people out there, right? There's, well, there's lots, but when it came to people entering into the group or reaching out to me, it was people who just wanted to make money and people who wanted to really fulfill their purpose and passion in, in life. Yeah. And the Soulful side Hustle to me is more about like really discovering what it is you lights you up, like your actual gifts, like your, what you're meant to be doing in this world, like what you're really good at, and then creating income from that or creating a business around that. And so it's really like the stuff that lights you up in the world and creating a business around that versus I'm just gonna do whatever it takes to make a dollar because I hate my life, right? And now there could be so many hybrids of all of that. Mm -hmm. But I found that people who, because you see the spamming, you know, we all see the spamming on social media, like, Oh, talk to me and I'll help you make a thousand dollars in 10 days or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and those people have come into my group and I've like kindly had to talk to them about like, this isn't that place for that. It's not about, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't want to discount MLMs at all in network marketing because some people do really good with that, but they're just yeah. doing it just to make money versus, cause I do have clients that that's what they do, but it's because they love it. And they build community around it. Yeah, and, and it's like a beauty counter or something. It's because they're so yeah. like, they're, they love that it's non-toxic and how it's changed their lives. Like that's the soulful side hustle, right? And so it's about like, what do you really care about? What's really important to you in your life? What are you really good at? And then, and then executing a business around that. Right. Versus just being like, well, what can I do to make money? And there are so many platforms and so many podcasts and so many other groups that are focused around money and mm-hmm. making the money just no matter what in lots of million different ways. And that's where I felt that there's kind of this hole, especially for women. So my clients are people who are like looking to fulfill their passion and do it and and then create you know their business around that. So it's very fulfilling. And the way that I like to explain it to people is like, you know, building a business on top of a nine to five, on top of motherhood, on top of all the things that we have responsibilities for is hard. Like I'm not gonna discount It's not easy because you have to dedicate time to it. And, but the thing about it is, you have to love it. It has to be your baby. It has to fulfill you in some way because you are going to take time away from other things that you love.
0: Yes. And so yeah. so if you're saying yes to that thing, you're saying no to other things. Yeah. And it just, has and oftentimes to be that that's way. time with your family. Yeah. yeah. Like, so yeah.
1: While you're building your business, you might have to work a couple, you know, dedicate some evenings, you know, to work on your business or a day on the weekend or, you know, and this is the conversations that we have in the Women's Side Hustle Society. It's just about like, yes, you do have to commit time if you want it to really happen to turn it from a hobby to an actual business, you know, you have to put in the time. And so, because I've had people say, well, what if you want to throw in the towel? Well, yeah, you are going to want to throw in the towel. You are going to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. So, the reason why. You want to create a soulful side hustle it's because you want it to fulfill like that passion of yours because that's why it's worth it because yeah, if it was just another job that I had to show up to do just to get money from, then you might as well just stay in your corporate job.
0: Yes. Totally, totally, and I love your point that like you are going to want to throw on the towel. You are because to... the thing is, it's either going to get hard or scary or both. I mean, it definitely not like it will for sure get hard and or scary, and oftentimes those things happen at the same time. And so yeah, like there's going to be times when you're like doubting yourself or wondering if it's worth pushing through, and that's why you have to be connected to you that. Why to- you have to be connected yeah. to like. Why is this the thing I want to talk about every day for the rest of my life or the thing I want to do every day for the rest of my life that doesn't even feel like work? Even though it's hard and scary sometimes, Mm -hmm. it's like I know that I'm where I need to be, want to be, enjoy being.
1: Yeah. And that's the soulful side hustle. To me, that's like because you are taking time away from like you might not be able to meet your friends for happy hour every Friday anymore or like whatever you're saying no to, but you're saying no to it because you also love what you're creating. So.
0: Can you give some examples of side hustles that you've seen a different, I would love to give moms some context around this for moms who are in that position of like, I would love to leave my job and have, regardless of whether or not you love your job or hate your job, but I'd love to have more time freedom or flexibility and those kinds of things. What kinds of side hustles do you see the moms in your group doing? And just to kind of give people some ideas of some specifics that might speak to them.
1: Yeah, well, so usually what I do, so I do like a deep dive with people around like really discovering this with them because some people don't know. Sometimes you have to go back to like what really inspires them, what they're really yeah. good at, right? But like I have I have a client who started out just as a yoga instructor, but now she's actually, she guides people into like, she calls it soulgasmic yoga. So it's all about like living a solgasmic life, like pleasurable life. Like again, what she was already doing it, yeah. in her daily life and she just kind of started teaching yoga at night just for fun and her kids are teenagers but now it's totally developed into this whole movement around like pleasurable life and how you can do it in a way that's like feeling good to you right um mm-hmm. so that was something she was super passionate about and just kind of clicked some people I have I have a mom who she is really passionate about again as she had kids she is super passionate about like reducing all the toxicities in their life. And she got really into essential oils. And now she like teaches classes on like how to reduce like common hold toxins in your household. And she also like blends in how she uses her essential oils and, and she cares about it. Like she, she like literally loves it. Like talking about yeah. it. Yeah. And so yeah. she teaches classes around that. I have a client who has been an avid hiker and she has worked like her own personal journey was working through anxiety, like severe anxiety and depression. And now she coaches people around anxiety by taking them on hikes. which I thought was very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So it's kind of like the sky's the limit on like whatever's yeah. lighting you up and like whatever you feel like your purpose and your mission is to help people with. Like we can create businesses around that. And I think that's the powerful part of it.
0: And I think the examples that you gave are, I think that they're, they're awesome unique examples, unique to those individuals. And they're also, there's this commonality among them. And I think common between people who you know, start a side hustle and people who go to work for themselves is that they've found this thing that they would do even if they wouldn't get paid for it.
1: Exactly. And I think
0: that's where, and that's, that's hard to find. And some people are like, there's not anything I would do unless, you know, I mean, like I joke about like, I would, how can I figure out how to get paid for watching Real Housewives? Right. You know, like, do I need to, there's too many Real Housewives podcasts out there. I can't do that. So, but like finding that thing that you really love that you would do, even if you didn't get paid, or you could talk about every day for the rest of your life with passion and behind it. And like, it would you wouldn't get bored with it. Mhm. And you know I love that you work with people to help them define that because I think often we're not conditioned to even consider those kinds of things. If we've been in a traditional corporate model for a long okay. time, like you're not, there's no space in a traditional corporate model to be no. like, what are you really passionate about? What are your hobbies that you love? And if you're a mom, you're like a hobby. Like when's right. the last oh, time I had yeah. a hobby? So it can definitely be a lot to take on and consider. And I love that you work with people one-on-one to do that deep dive.
1: Cause I think that's so valuable yeah, to really kind like of get in said, touch with like, what you love. Then you get to make money from it. There's a whole different mindset shift around that. It's like, Oh, I I get to do this. Now I get to show up and do this and I get money. I get to make money from it. Like how like exciting is that? Yeah.
0: And that was huge for me. So the podcast for me was a side hustle to my gym. Yeah. And I definitely gave myself this window of like, we're going to just try this for six months and see what happens. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not setting out to make money on this. I want to see if I love it. If I love it, then I want to figure out how I can make money right. from it and how it could become more of where I could build a business around it. And maybe this could be my become my full-time right. hustle. Love and it. so I had to definitely like give myself that space to make sure I really loved it because I didn't want to get myself trapped in something that I didn't really love. So I think that's the brilliance of a side hustle is like, it can be a totally. little experimental and there yeah. can be room for like, this might all fall apart and blow up and I might hate it.
1: <laughs> well, and that's why I don't like and it's funny because I'm very clear on who my clients are. Like like jumping off the cliff is sometimes not the right path for you, right? Like yeah. if you just dove and put everything into it, that would be jumping off the cliff. But taking the stairs like you're like, let's try it out. I'm going to feel into it. And that's what's so lovely about like a lot of people have a lot of resentment around starting their businesses while still working a nine to five. But I actually think you can totally flip it and be like, you get this opportunity to experiment it for a little bit and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Without that risk factor that's going to, you know, can I even afford my roof over my head. Right. Right. Right.
0: I think that makes so much sense. So tell us about the side hustle that led you to become an international bestselling author and how that <laughs> kind of came to be.
1: Yeah. So, so I have my coaching business and I do retreats and, and all these things. And I've been doing that for years around the women's side hustle society, my podcast, all that kind of stuff. And I kind of was approached by a publisher who was, she puts out this book series about sharing your story. And women's from all different walks of life, different backgrounds, um, different types of stories, not definitely not all business stories. And I decided to say yes to that last year. And again, part of my theories and part of what I teach is, you know, always saying yes to things that feel really good and in alignment with how you want to be feeling, even if that's not how you feel right now. And so I said yes to this. And it's a book that's called Women Who Influence. And I feel like it has changed my life in the last six months just because of like the process of writing your story and getting public about it. You know what I mean? Like just going forth with that. So that's, the side hustle around like becoming an international best selling author. Yeah. It's funny because it started out that I wanted to tell my side hustle story. Like this particular all that we've talked about today around like choosing to do things differently, choosing to side hustle instead of quitting my job, doing it in a way that feels really good and taking the stairs. Like that is what my chapter's about. But what has kind of come through this and, and I can't I, like in twenty four hours we already became an international best selling book which is huge. And then now it's like about, wow, like this is this movement of telling stories and making, giving validation to people to tell their stories and kind of spreading the ripple effect around everybody's story is worthy and worth sharing. And there's 30 stories in this book of all different women. And it gives me chills, like all the different stories. So it's feel like I don't even know where that's going to go. You know, whether I'm going to speak more or, you know, talk more about storytelling or where this is going to end up. But it's just it again, it's that it's the soulful side hustle. Again, it's, it's I'm doing it. I don't expect to make any money from it. When I said yes to doing a book project, I just knew that it felt really good to say yes and to tell my story in that way.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so cool. So I have more questions, but we got to wrap it up. So my producer doesn't hate me when I send her a long, long thing. I know. I can <laughs> again. We can. Talk <laughs> but I know this has been so good, and I also want to make sure that people know where they can connect with you. If you could specifically tell us about, do you have a free Facebook group? I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where's the free Facebook group, and then how can they access your book? And everything will be linked up up in the show notes as well. So yeah. go ahead and tell us those places, though.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. So. Probably the easiest way to get to my book is if you go to my website, which is just GinaFresquez.com. And there's like a link that says, get my book. And that takes you right to Amazon. So that's easy. There's also, it's bit.ly slash women who influence. So it's the book Women Who Influence. But my Facebook group, which is like my baby, my love, I put everything into my Facebook group, which is our community of almost a thousand people already. I'm really specific about who joins. Like I'm not it's all women who are side hustling or what I call my alumni who people who started in the group and then they've quit their job since so they're now alumni of the side hustle society and so it really is a cultivated group who are here to support you in that process so that is just facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash women's side hustle society so or if you look in groups just women's side hustle society and then also podcasting same name women's side hustle society so super easy when it comes to that.
0: Perfect. I'm taking notes here. I want to make sure I have your podcast linked up. Is your podcast on your website as well? It is. Yep. Okay, okay. So people can find it there. Okay, cool. Yay. So I'll have this all linked up at the show notes. I want to make sure people can connect with you. And Gina, it's been fun and inspiring and you made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I just appreciate everything you shared because I knew I wanted to have you come on and talk about your work. And when you opened the door to potentially talking about your parenting journey, that was right away. I was like, yes, let's do that. So I appreciate you being yeah. open and vulnerable and honest about that because I know it will help other shameless moms out there. So mm, thank you for spending no time problem. with us today. Thank and you. Please come back. Next time you have another project to talk about totally anytime thank you so much for spending time with gina and me in the shameless mom academy today i hope you learned something new i hope you were inspired and i really hope that if you know someone whose child might have sensory processing disorder or maybe just there's some questionable things and you think that this episode might connect them to some good resources and be valuable information please 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 share this episode out my biggest dream for all of you is that you can live a happy, fulfilled life and that you can inspire your children to do the same through the ways that you learn about who they are and how their brains work and how the world can cater to their strengths and especially not allow them to stand out as being different and potentially be labeled as being difficult. And so I just so appreciate Gina coming on and sharing her story about how they've managed everything with Ezra so that other parents who might be in a similar situation or have similar questions about their child's behavior and maybe their child's wiring can maybe do some investigation and get some answers. I do have an episode coming up with Debbie Reber in which we talk about her book, Differently Wired, which is coming out in mid June. So keep an eye out for that because this actually will kind of pick up where we left off today with Gina talking about Ezra's SPD. We'll definitely dive into other kind of conversations around how children can be differently wired and often be so different than their parents, which can be puzzling and confusing and overwhelming and sometimes exhausting. So we'll definitely be continuing that conversation. Additionally, Gina is the side hustle queen, so I hope that you learned about building a soulful side hustle and, like she said, taking the stairs instead of taking a risky leap into territory that you might not feel prepared for. Please share this episode by taking a screenshot of it and sharing it on social media. You can tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I will always reply right back and send you direct messages and hearts and blowing kisses and all those kinds of things. Um, I love to connect with you on social media. It means the world to me. Please know that if this is your first time listening to the show, we are back here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode and you can subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you right into our Apple Podcasts category where you can subscribe to the show so that you get every episode as soon as it is released. While you're there, you can also rate and review the show, which means the world to me because it keeps us highly ranked so that other shameless moms can find us and connect with us and we can continue to build the shameless tribe. Again, thank you for being here today. I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week. I'll see you again on Monday. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.